Olá pessoal, tudo bem? And welcome to the Brazil Crypto Report podcast, where we talk to the builders, entrepreneurs, and influencers from across the Brazil crypto ecosystem. I'm your host, Aaron Stanley, and today I'm joined by Connor Brady, who is the founder of Ethereum Brazil. Before we jump in, I'd like to say a quick thank you to our partner for this episode, the HBAR Foundation. HBAR Foundation works to support growth across the Hedera Hashgraph ecosystem. If you're an entrepreneur in Brazil or the LATAM region, and you have a cool project or an idea that needs some help scaling or just getting started, I highly recommend taking a look at these guys. They have several different grant funds in operation that are seeding projects across DeFi, FinTech, NFTs, and sustainability. And they've got a lot of other resources as well to help you out on your journey. So please do head over to hbarfoundation.org to take a look and learn more. With that, I'd like to welcome my guest, Connor Brady. Welcome, Connor. Hey, Aaron. How are you? Thank Doing you for good. Me. Doing good here. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, kind of how you got involved in the Brazil crypto ecosystem? Like you said, my name's uh, Connor Brady. I'm the founder of Ethereum Brazil. I suppose my story is kind of a roundabout story. It's a, it's a little bit long, but I'll, there's two elements to it. It's like, so I'm, I'm from Ireland originally. And there's like how I arrived in Brazil. <laughs> and then there's like the how I got involved into the Ethereum space. So um, like I said, I'm from Ireland. Uh, I grew up near Dublin, country country boy. Then I, I went to university there. I studied law. I was a criminal defense lawyer. Um, and then I worked a few years there and just got completely burnt out. So I said, I don't traveling for a while. And I ended up in Brazil. Yeah, so I used to do a lot of surfing, I still do. Um, lived down the south of Brazil in Florinopolis for a while, lived up in Bahia for a while. Uh, and then I settled in Rio, got married, learned Portuguese. Uh, yeah, so that was that journey started 2006. So I've been, I've been here quite a while. Obviously, I couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't or didn't want to practice as a lawyer here. So yeah, I just got into running my own businesses, run some events, uh, business, had a nightclub. Uh, Get into events all over Brazil. Also, did some uh, digital stuff. Did a startup, a VR startup, um, uh, which kind of was was doing well, but was killed by COVID. The whole situation. Um, so, my journey into crypto, like it's it's not really a journey into crypto. It's more in a journey into, I suppose. The, technology side of it, which is what I'm interested in. I am not into investing at all. I'm just terrible at that. I just don't have, that's just not my mindset. Um, I, yeah, I hold a bit of Ethereum, but that's it. Um, and just, you know, uh, you know, plan to sell it or look at, uh, coin market cap or whatever people are looking at every day. I, I thankfully I do. <laughs> So yeah, uh, first became aware of Bitcoin 2010, 11, around that time, uh, had some friends who were, you know, using it to, uh, like, if you wanted to bring money into Brazil, those, those days, it was, it was super complicated. Um, actually it was probably, it was, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. It was, it was around that time as uh, knew some people who are investing in it as well. Like I live in Rio. I, I know quite a few foreigners here. Uh, just through playing rugby here and yeah just people were talking about it using it to transfer transfer funds like a, a remittance just i was like okay that's cool like i didn't see anything particularly interesting in the whole bitcoin thing 
uh, still still don't. Um, but you know, like I, I understand how people are passionate about that. I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying for me personally, it doesn't really excite me in any way. And then in 2014, a friend showed me about the Ethereum, their first website that was up. Got into it, read it, read the white paper, all that stuff, and just thought, well, this is mind blowing. Um, I was looking at, I was trying to do projects on it at the time. It, it was no real proof concept. It was very conceptual at that time, and ended up. I spent about a year, you know, doing a lot of research, doing, you know, did the guts of a project or whatever, like in, in, in relation to exchanging, exchanging money. Uh, like this was very early days. And then I went off on another, on the VR project. And then during COVID, I got back into the space, uh, had a lot of time, spent a lot of time studying, did some Solidity courses, uh, you know, some more practical courses as well. And, so of... then, so how did you kind of go from that to uh, organizing or setting up Ethereum Rio, which was uh, held back in March, and it was really the first kind of you know big crypto conference in Brazil post pandemic? Why don't you tell us a bit about just what the genesis of that was? Yeah, so um, so basically in 2020 uh, was the height of the, uh, the pandemic, and I yeah I was thinking about doing a, a event at the time, but obviously it wasn't feasible at all. Uh, and about the same time I started working at Certic, that was just after the pandemic hit, maybe six months after it, um, worked with them and obviously got a lot of exposure. I just wanted to work in the space, basically. I hadn't, I hadn't been an employee for a very long time, like I had to do with the CV and all that stuff. Uh, but it was, it was just a fantastic experience because I got to see all, you know, from the top projects to absolutely the worst like kind of horrific shitcoin projects. I was speaking to their, uh, you know, people who were programming, people who were, you know, like a lot of the time we didn't know who you we were talking to or where they were talking from or whatever. But I just got a lot of exposure into the whole, like the whole diversity of the space. Um, like some completely insane people in the space and some really, really intelligent, clever, forward thinking people. So yeah, I just, I just wanted to get that exposure. Um, yeah, just and insights and connections. It was it was a really it was a really great way. And I worked with you know I worked with you know like the founders of Decentraland. I worked with founders of you know Sandbox. You know One Inch. You know so a lot of a lot of uh, projects that have been around a long time and have done really well and, and so on. So that 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 was that was very interesting. Then the idea of doing a event came back to me. Um, and I had like I had contacts as well, and I kind of ran it by a few people, and they thought it was a great idea. This was the end of 2020, start of 2021, so everything was still kind of semi lockdown, and it was a big risk. It was a big risk. Um, like nobody knew what was happening. There was like variants coming out and all this kind of stuff. So I'm I'm not I don't mind risk. I actually that's. I enjoy like when other people are a bit afraid I'll just, <laughs> I, I see that as kind of being a good time to kind of uh, explore something. So um, that was it. And I just like, for me personally, I just wanted to kind of, I'm not really an extrovert. Um, I'm not really like a crypto crypto guy. I'm more like a web three guy, like a, the whole, uh, the whole technology and the potential of it on a kind of, on a macro philosophical scale. I like that. And I just thought this would be a great way to bring all the different people together. Cause I didn't like in Rio, there's not really a big Ethereum uh, community. Um, and I just wanted to see who was there and who would come out of the woodwork and get people from Brazil and people, foreigners. I, I knew from past experience, 
like having a nightclub and stuff like that, that people coming from abroad always want to come to Rio anyway. They're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, they'll, some people will come just because it's Rio. They don't even care about your conference or what you're thinking. <laughs> it's just like, they want an excuse to go there. So, but that was still like, um, but a lot of people wanted to, were excited because it was the first big event in Latam in a long time. And uh, we had a cool venue, we had a really great venue. And yeah, we're, like people could see we were genuine. Um, we did like a boot camp, which was taking Web2 developers and training them in Web3, a three-day course and that was run by Solange. We also did a launch pad, which changed around the, the usual dynamic of pitching. So the investors were pitching the startups. So mm. we selected uh, around 30 different uh, you know, startups, projects, whatever you want to call them. And the investors uh, came on and explained what they're offering was and so on. Uh, and then we did it. We did a main event, which is a traditional Ethereum event where you had like big projects, you had uh, people speaking and so on. Then we did an open day, which was in Portuguese only. And it was blockchain 101 for the general public, very cheap tickets. And then we did a hackathon. So it was just like, it was just a marathon event to run. And we were all totally Yeah, it, it was impressive like, how it, I mean, I, I regrettably, I couldn't attend. I was so bummed. I had, I had a pre-planned uh, trekking trip in the Himalayas actually during that week. Oh, so nice. it's kind of hard to like reschedule that, but yeah, I regrettably couldn't come, but um, I was, I was kind of watching from afar and I was really impressed how it, it went from being just not, don't take it the wrong way, but like just another ETH event, right? Like they have these yeah. events all over, right? Like ETH Denver, ETH whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, um, and they're all over the place, right? And they're all kind of like more, or, you know, same vibe and a lot of these things, right? So it went from being like just kind of another ETH event to being like all of a sudden it's like CZ's showing up and you know the, like the mayor of Rio is showing up and they're announcing yeah. things and there's just like this really took on this really incredible buzz and I feel like part of it might be like what you were alluding to where it's people like look for an excuse to come to Rio even if they don't care about the conference but but, it's, yeah, but it, felt like, it yeah. felt like it was more than that though it felt like there was like there was substance yeah. people wanted to meet they wanted to see what was going on in this part of the world it was really it was really cool how it kind of grew into evolved into so much more than just another ETH event right yeah and, and that was the thing like we kind of one thing we did we worked a lot was like getting inclusivity like just not just you know peace and love but just getting people from outside the typical space uh into it like on the second day like on the on the evening of the first day somebody uh i was speaking to a woman from a project she said oh man there's not enough women here so we just were like in the next hour we had announced that the second day was going to be free for women for the first 100 women that came and actually the day before yesterday i was speaking to a person who is who was going to work with us and this is the story she told me she was she was living in sao paulo uh she lives in sao paulo and she saw online on the end of the first day she was in sao paulo and she saw online oh the second day is free for women so she went to the bus station she got on a bus she arrived like it's a seven hour journey she arrived oh, wow. the next morning at 6 a.m <laughs> she, wow. she was the first person to arrive and she went obviously she she met people she got a job from that in a crypto investment uh firm and she's working with them now and, and she's also going to help us on ethereum sao paulo events so, wow. you know there was a lot of a lot yeah. of stuff like that happened you know people were like yeah it was just that piece of magic that people uh needed to to uh something happen you know 
like I have this expression, doing stuff makes other stuff happen. It seems really simple, but sometimes people are afraid to do things and whatever. And like sometimes doing stuff can make bad things happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, at least stuff. I mean, I've, I've done quite a few events kind of in my day as well. And like, you know, I always find that kind of rewarding is how do I judge whether an event was successful or not? And it's like, okay, do people find it valuable to come? Are they getting connections are they you know, are they meeting people are they finding clients or are they getting jobs or are they learning something and that's kind right. of the healthiest metric where it's it's always cool to look at a project that sort of was almost like incubated at your event like in the sense that yeah, the, well, the, people the, met each is, other yeah sorry to cut across and um, this is what we're actually one thing somebody said to us is like you gotta you gotta have case studies to show from your event like actual cases of people like Obviously, that girl Sabrina was one case, but we we're got we've I think we've got like 10, 10 different case studies. Um, some are social projects, some social projects got funding, a few social projects got funding. Some of the like larger Brazilian projects like uh, Ribbon, they they got a they were at the boot camp. Obviously, they were speaking to investors or whatever, but at the event, they met them, they sat down, they had a good synergy and that it's, it's like, it's, it's like that kind of catalyst, you know, that it just solidified some stuff. Yeah. There was, there was, there was, there was a load of stuff. There was some like uh, social NFT project that did really well. Yeah. And just people meeting each other and, you know, uh, some of the hackathon projects actually became real one was launched about two weeks ago yeah so there was there's a lot of actual like okay this happened because we did the event that would not have happened at all right right so that's 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 cool like that's a that's a really great feeling and that's that's basically why i did the event you know so kind of piggybacking on that what did you learn about the brazil crypto scene by doing this event you mentioned you know the, the original idea was just let's see how many ethereum people kind of come out of the woodwork in rio and it obviously turned into much more than just that but what did this teach you about crypto in brazil like i was saying i, I worked with them um, certic and i actually was working with them at the time i'm, I'm more focused i actually gave up that job and things went well and i just said i want to focus on uh here in brazil but the people, they had a stand there and the, the people were at the stand, uh, like they're uh, New York based company. So they, they've been to events, they've been to one in Dubai before that, or, you know, they've been to events all over the world. And it was, it was good to hear their feedback. They were surprised how underdeveloped it was. Most people, so for people who don't know, Certic do security auditing of, uh, code, you know, smart contracts whichever language or whatever, uh, and for all different blockchains, but it's quite a common thing now to have a, have a security audit. Uh, it's kind of like a stamp of approval in a certain way. They couldn't believe how many people didn't even know what a security audit was. Uh, oh, wow. so yeah. So they, you know, even the size of projects or people thinking of doing projects or whatever, you know, where. If they go to somewhere like uh, Dubai or even somewhere in Asia, obviously North America, Europe, whatever, they're seeing very advanced projects with lots of funding, but they weren't seeing that. They weren't seeing that in Brazil a little bit. And that's, um, but what they were saying is that like, this is totally new market. 
and it's it's very uh, nascent. It's good for for people like them to be here first because they're you know they're obviously meeting um, people at the very beginning of their journey, and that's that's kind of like marketing people. That's their dream, you know. It's like to be there, you know, speaking to people first before anyone else does, and making that relationship. But yeah, like that. My my point is is that it's a very new market, and there's a lot of potential there. Obviously, there's a lot of smart people and stuff. In Brazil, there's a, there's a lot of bad press about, you know, crypto. There's a lot of scams. Like if you speak to educated people who might know something about finance or whatever, and they're just like, oh, that's just a scam. On the news here, like Global and all these, you know, um, uh, mainstream news channels, they'll just report about, you know, the, some crazy scams that go on. And people think that that's the whole thing. It's it's just a scam, and and even um, we we had one social project that got awarded a grant during the event when some of our team, like some of our team, were like who are specialised in, in social projects and so on. When they went to talk to the rest of the committee about it was it was in um, in one of the favelas here when they went to speak to the wider committee about the, the, how the grant system would work and so on. They actually refused the grant because they thought it would be like uh, helping people to, like it was an educational grant for a hacker house. And they said, no, we don't want our people learning how to do scams. Basically. Oh, wow. So that's oh, no. the kind of level of, okay. yeah, yeah. That's, it, 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 right. it has a bad reputation. So, you know, um, that's, that's a struggle, like just on the kind of, top of funnel kind of where people are starting to learn about crypto and stuff. It's like, there's a big barrier there where it's like, this is scam. I have sort of a, you know, an operating model of when I look at Brazil, I, I see it as almost, you know, three to four years behind where the U S is in terms right. of this crypto market development. I mean, having, yeah. having spent, you know, a, a significant amount of time in both countries, the last few years, yeah. where it's kind of like, you know, thinking back to 2017, 2018 in the US, I mean, if somebody asked me what I did for a living, like, I would just tell them I worked in like fintech or something, you know, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. unless unless it's like, you know, it's like a safe person or, or I mean, even still today, like, I, unless I yeah. unless I'm prepared to go into like a 40 minute, like intense conversation about like how Bitcoin mining works and all this stuff, like, I'll still just yeah. kind of be like, yeah, I just work in tech, you know, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, but it's a little bit, at least at this point, there's a little more in the US, at least there's more institutional kind of legitimacy behind a lot of this stuff. Where I think in Brazil, yeah. like, like you said, the press is a lot more, you know, it's like the gas consultoria and it's this. And, and to be frank, I mean, some of the scams that we see in Brazil are like pretty remarkable. Well, I think in general in Brazil, like the press net tend to just get the most horrific uh, news they can and that kind of sells the most papers. <laughs> uh fair enough but but even in like like if you go to the us and you speak to people who are like in finance or investing or in technology they're gonna know like they're gonna know about blockchain technology and they might like it or whatever but they're gonna have a fairly good uh knowledge base to be able to base their opinion uh, but here people are just like oh no i i heard that that's all a scam basically that's that's all they know all well i mean the reason it's interesting i think is because brazilians are very uh savvy when it comes to adopting new technologies generally like 
with using you know new bank and these digital bank platforms and even just using whatsapp and like they're pretty pretty like tech savvy population generally but yeah. like, when it comes to this 100 percent uh it's it's like it hasn't quite resonated for a variety of reasons um i mean presumably yeah, it, it, but it, it has and it hasn't um like if you look at the banking system here and where, where it has come from like it has gone from being the worst banking system in the world to one of the best in the world like i i have some friends in fintech like um who, who are in new york for example and they were like oh well, yeah we saw this uh you know case study at this thing we're at uh, like some conference we're at and they're talking about the brazilian system like the pick system they have now which is kind of a blockchain based system by the cent brazilian central bank it is amazing it is like really really good um and you know like they've cut out the whole uh need to use visa or mastercard or whatever you can actually do bank bank to bank uh uh, transactions and you see guys selling coconuts and he might have a like he's got a pick uh, yeah a qr code a4, yeah pick code, a4 yeah. yeah you've just printed out a qr code and you can you can just scan the qr code and pay him there and then and that's that's pretty amazing you know that's pretty amazing like another thing about brazil it was very much i would say information was all always very controlled like middle class uh, lower middle class people and everybody basically was watching one channel, which was Globo. That information, like there was a standard information that everyone kind of said, okay, this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. So there was that kind of mindset. It is a lot less now, but it's still quite, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a conventionally uh, organized society, right? So there's, um, you know, there's this big business here will have a big control, like are in bed a lot with the media, right? So right. the banking system would have a very, very large influence on the the mainstream media. And obviously they don't want, they don't want crypto, but right, right. that's changing. And you have a few, like you have a few like um, hash decks and this kind of companies uh, coming in, but it's, it's, it's kind of for people with uh, money, you know, people right. who have um, money and want to make more money, uh, which is which is fine, you know, which is fine. But it's it's not really, it's not really, uh, it's not. It's not really it's living not out conducive for mass mass adoption. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not kind of checking that box of of you know, trying to introduce new, new products and new, bring new value to people who are excluded from the current financial system or current investing opportunities and things of that nature. It's a little more, yeah, it's, it's kind of like making and, the rich and, get richer. And, so and just, just coming back to the whole picks thing is that kind of, I think the picks thing actually prevented uh, a lot of mass crypto adoption and uh, yeah. they for, foresaw that coming. Uh, which is fair enough when you look at it from if you're the government, you want to kind of keep control of that. Um, and if, like most like people, people who had bank accounts five years ago, like like general, like if uh, you know uh, people with little or no education, 
you know, five years ago, never had a bank account. Now they do. Sometimes when you get a, when you get a, a SIM card, like a, for your phone, you get a new phone number, they'll get a bank account with that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some, some banks have uh, partnered with the, with the telecoms uh, company because PIX, PIX has an identifier. You can use your telephone number, your social security, your CPS, or your email. You can just link it to your account. So mm. if you have a phone number, they can link that directly to your account. So you just automatically have a bank account. Interesting, is, uh, interesting. So that's so in your opinion, that that's kind of thwarted the the mass adoption of of crypto to some degree because just because some of these new payment innovation systems, whether it's PIX or whether it's it's uh, New Bank or some of these other kind of products, are, yeah. are world class, frankly. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you, you don't sure. really need to you don't need to be you know paying in USDC or paying in Bitcoin when PIX is yeah. working pretty good, right? Yeah. So yeah. it makes a lot of sense, yeah. right? But um, yeah, so like the uh, like the adoption of you know kind of Web three crypto and so on, I think here will be more in relation to stuff like dApps and privacy and, and that kind of stuff. That's 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 more interesting. Got it, got it. Well, on that front, how about let's pivot to the East Sao Paulo event that you have coming up uh, in August. Why don't you give us kind of the rundown of what you're what are you expecting for that? What are what are you going to be focusing on? Yeah, so so basically after Rio, um, we saw how much people needed such such events. Uh, like people were so appreciative; they thought this is amazing, this changed my life. Like so many people said, "Oh, this changed my life" because I, you know, I just met so many people that think the way same way as I do, and uh, it was just like it was really nice because it kind of opened people's minds to a different way of doing things. Um, and we had a great team uh, for the event, so I kind of wanted to keep working with them and not like kind of you know, lose them. So we said, okay, look, let's, let's see if people are interested in Sao Paulo. And some people had even suggested to us. So we ran it by and people were totally into it. Um, obviously Sao Paulo is the financial capital of Latin America and the largest city. It was pretty obvious as the next place it should be. Um, and then like people like Solange, Solange, uh, who was one of the organizers, she was like, yeah, let's just be here in Brazil. So that way we can, we can kind of uh, run different events and we can, we're going to be running boot camps and so on. So it, it just kind of brings it all together. So we're not like, we don't have like 10 social media channels, one for Ethereum Rio, one for Ethereum Sao Paulo and, you know, and so on. So yeah, we want to focus the, the location will be the Biennale in, in Ibapuera, which is a big park in the middle of Sao Paulo. I don't know if you know Sao Paulo, but it's a big concrete jungle. Um, but it's a really nice park. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful building um, and just a great space. Uh, like, you know, everyone said it were like, oh, amazing, great. I love that space and so on. Um, we're going to try and focus on DeFi kind of financial kind of stuff um, because it's Sao Paulo and, and, you know, all the major banks of Latin America are there and so on. And, you know, maybe we get, the, the hope is that we get kind of people who are not from the area who might be interested in learning more and, and, you know, get them into the space. Um, gaming, uh, I don't know if you know, but in Brazil, the, there's quite a large gaming, um, blockchain gaming scene. Uh, so we want to kind of, again, see who comes out of the woodwork for that and like try and bring them together. We're going to have a gaming area dedicated to people talking about gaming and, and stuff 
gamers like <laughs> we haven't finalized yet but DAOs is a really big thing it's, it's kind of a hot topic and it is something people really don't understand very well um i find like i just see people do DAOs, and it's just like <laughs> that is going to be a nightmare to run because like oh yeah let's have uh, we want you know we need to buy toilet roll let's all have a vote about that you know kind of that kind of situation so uh we we're gonna have a pretty good workshop on for people starting DAOs, like and just you know do's and don'ts and i i don't know exactly how that's going to be yet like we only announced a couple of weeks ago uh sao paulo and and a lot of our planning at the moment is in in relation to kind of just logistics and so on but the content yeah, so we're, we're going to have that kind of focus. Obviously, we'll have stuff about like parts of the DeFi or finance will be refinance, which is something I particularly interested in. And we like we have all social kind of stuff. And we really focus on social inclusion, especially for the um, hackathon the last time. Got some great teams and people, you know, people, uh, super smart people who might have felt that they were part of, you know, like, for example, people from like they say in periphery in Rio, like from poor areas, and so on, they mightn't have seen themselves as being that person in a crypto event or whatever. So we worked really hard on that. We we went to a lot of community projects and so on and, and brought people. So that was really good. And when people were there and they met other people, and it's like from other parts of Rio or other parts of Brazil who are into the same thing and kind of had a similar background to them, that was that was really cool. That was really cool. So uh, that's something we actually have one person who's dedicated. She's working on that louisa she's um she's got a background in and she's got a master's from the federal university in in uh, favela museums and projects and social projects and so on so yeah that's 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 you know that's something that's important that it's just not all white guys like me and you just kind of you know uh in some kind of echo chamber so like we get people with different backgrounds different ideas who are coming in and bringing new ideas and new ways of looking at things so yeah i love that important. I love that. And and that's the that's the fun thing about Brazil is it's so you don't have to look very hard to find people with uh you know different life experiences, right? Yeah, they're usually within uh, 100 meters. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's not it's not super difficult to find these folks, right? So that's super cool. I love what you're doing there and I love I love just kind of the ethos behind that, providing more education, more on-ramps, more ways for people to to get involved and uh yeah, I also and it's, like, it's not a political thing. It's it's more like it's a purely practical thing. It's like, we just want more people in and we want to grow the community. We're not like trying to be like, uh, raising any banners or whatever, but, but yeah, we want to be inclusive. Like I'm always saying that it's like, we're being inclusive and not exclusive. Right. And it's just, you know, whoever wants to come, come and you know, the best people will survive, you know, the best, like the people with the best ideas and the best, uh, work ethic and so on are the ones that are going to survive. I really liked with ETH Rio how you did the day in Portuguese language, a day full of Portuguese language content. And I, I was just kind of, thinking, and I was thinking about that as far as one of the challenges within Brazil, I think, is the lack of English language proficiency. Just compared to other countries, uh, it's just not there, right? Improving, but it's still it's just not where it should be, I suppose, or, right. or where other countries might be. And obviously in crypto, English is kind of like the de facto, you know, lingua franca, right? Yeah. And I'm just kind of wondering how you negotiate or how you how you kind of manage that contradiction there where it's like you're trying to be inclusive, but at the same yeah. time, you can't really succeed in this industry if you don't speak English. Yeah, well, that's that's it. It's a good question, actually, because it's something that we, we debate about, like the team, and it's a kind of ongoing, like it's not something we've kind of said, this is this is the rule. Um, and even on our telegram, we kind of started out, oh, let's just have it in English. So everybody from all around the world can 
speaking. That's kind of the, like I said, the lingua franca. And now we're just like, you know, people can speak whatever language they want. If some people don't understand, they can, you know, ask other people or translate it or whatever. So from my perspective, like, or from our perspective, the, like the event as the main event is for people, like that's for people who are already involved in the scene. And to be honest, if you're involved in the scene and you want to be uh, like a, in some way, a decentralized project or, you know, an international project, you, you basically need to speak English. Um, and uh, like a lot of people say, if you don't know it, you should learn, <laughs> you know? uh, which, is, which is true. Like um, I live in Brazil, I, I, I learned Portuguese because uh, I need it, right? Um, uh, but at the same time, we're gonna we're gonna do a better job this time with um, having uh, translation headsets. We're gonna have people translating, and you know that's that's gonna be an option. So yeah, like the thing is, we want to bring international speakers to bring because because it's a very uh, new. Like even I was speaking to the people from Pods Finance two days ago, and they were saying there's there are very very few DeFi projects in Brazil, like. like a handful less than a handful you know like um so yeah it, it's a very new space so you, you gotta get bring a lot of people in and especially other latin american countries like argentina obviously has a massive uh, ecosystem and a lot to teach brazil um you know some people some brazilians kind of a, <laughs> don't feel very comfortable with that but yeah look uh you know it, there's it's, it's it's just kind of a, a brotherly or a sibling rivalry like People should be able to speak English, but we're not going to force them. And like you, like you said, we had one day for the people who are learning, who are getting into the space, and that's in Portuguese because we want people to come in. We don't want to feel excluded. But during that kind of uh, journey, they should be kind of, you know, if they're if they're really ambitious about being in the space and, and succeeding in the space, you, you got to speak English. Basically. Yeah, I think that's accurate, right? And if it's the right inducement to get them to learn more to kind of brush up on those skills, then maybe it's worthwhile. Right. But I, I yeah, I just don't think the world's not going to, the crypto world is moving so fast that like, we're not going to, it's not going to stop and necessarily yeah. accommodate somebody who doesn't know the language. Right. It's, it's like, exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and you know what, it's like people who have put the effort in, they like being able to speak English, you know, because they are like, okay, I've, I've worked hard on this and, and, um, uh, and this is cool. I can understand what's going on. I can communicate with people from all over the world, and you know, people from all over the world will come here because a, a, a large part of it's in English. So it's yeah, most people agree. Like most people who've learned English are like, hey, hey guys, you got to learn English. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> like it's not yeah. me saying it. It's like yeah, it's easy for the yeah. gringo to be like, you exactly. guys got to learn English, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool that you guys are kind of trying to draw that line of accommodating folks who maybe don't have the skills, but also trying to nudge them along. We're like, Hey, if you, if you're really serious about this, like you gotta learn yeah. it. Like there's just no other yeah. option. At this point. And then I, I guess beyond the East Sao Paulo event, what's the roadmap for Ethereum Brazil? Is it, uh, is it. Of, of our whole structure and what we do at Ethereum Rio, um, we did the open day, which is, it's like, if you want to have a, a funnel, right. For people with no knowledge of the web three space at the very top, like, and look at it like a journey as in, you know, the end of the journey, you're working in the space. That's kind of the way I look at it. That's, you know, either you're running your own project or you're working in a project and you don't have to be a developer, like the sales and marketing people and, you know, communications, and all kinds of PR stuff. 
Um, so, so if you look at it, you start with the open day, and that's in, in Portuguese. The, um, the second bit is the boot camp. The boot camp was in Portuguese as well. Um, then you have the hackathon. The hackathon was kind of half Portuguese and half in English, um, probably mostly Portuguese. The launchpad then, so the launchpad is people who are in projects and they're looking for funding. That was in English because like some of the investors were only English speakers. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of the journey, right? Um, I suppose before the launchpad, you could say the, the main event and the, the main talks and stuff. So that's in English as well. And then the launchpad is at the bottom. So like Sapala will be an open day. Uh, we'll be building out our own kind of content platforms, uh, you know, for people wanting to learn. We, we just want to be a source of truth, you know, and inverted commas, uh, a place where people can come and they can say, okay, I can trust this, this platform. And we have kind of, um, curated the content in some way and people can come and learn and, and now it's not some, some guy trying to shill his own, whatever project under the guise of, of some content. Um, and, uh, the other thing we will be doing is boot camps. We uh, probably in June, we're going to, we're going to have a project where it's called teach the teachers. So people who will be teaching boot camps or running boot camps, uh, we will have a course for them. So we, we already have a few people who have asked us, uh, and if anyone who wants to get in touch with us about that, they can, like, if they're interested in giving a bootcamp in their city or whatever, uh, we will have sponsorship. We'll be working on sponsorship for that. Like, so people can have the resources to be able to do that, you know, give people food and coffee and, you know, um, uh, you know, people who need help. Uh, and we'll also be, uh, integrating with social projects. So there's a lot of social projects in Brazil that te teach people coding. So people who have graduated from those projects, you know, would be able to, to do the bootcamp for free. Uh, the bootcamps will not be free, but a lot of people in the bootcamps will not be paying for it, if, not, if, if that makes sense. So yeah, we just want to, we just want to make it as, as fair as possible. Um, and the bootcamp that will hopefully lead, you know, to devs from you know the web 2 coming into the web 3 space and then there'll be different opportunities like some sponsors are want you know want to actually give um internships or jobs to like people who who complete a certain project or something like this so we're, we're just we're, that's something we're exploring at the moment so education basically great <laughs> yeah okay great education yeah and then sure. like and then from that um you know in, the, in a few months after then we'll do some uh, we'll do some hackathons so people from the boot camps can come to the hackathons. Obviously, other people can come as well. But so we want to kind of bring people on that on that journey. Hackathons, and then you know any hackathon projects. Then we only have a launch pad as well. Uh, could be at Rio next year. Um, probably do Rio in March next year as well. So okay, um, yeah, lots of big ideas. That's uh, great. Basically, just growing the community, educating people who want to come into it, making them feel welcome. Being a, being a source of uh, where people can learn and, and kind of trust trust what they're kind of uh, trust the educational sources and so on and just yeah grow the community and see where it goes from there. Perfect. I love the ambition and that's the type of thing. It's just kind of the boots on the ground, get getting people in into that funnel. You know, getting them on the journey, give them the skills, you give them the give them a couple some hackathons to participate in, and then come the next big event. 
they're maybe a little bit more ready for prime time to start pitching to investors or something with their own idea. At that point, they're maybe like telling their friends about it. They're bringing people in. It's just kind of this virtuous cycle, I guess. The thing we want to say is that we're kind of, um, we're just kind of supporting the community. We're not the community. Like it's here in Brazil. We're kind of offering the infrastructure for people to be able to go and build their stuff and, and build the community out and just make it into a really healthy ecosystem here in, in Brazil. So hopefully we can, we can help uh, that to grow because if it, the more it grows, the better it is for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. For folks who are maybe looking to get involved in ETH Sao Paulo somehow, whether sponsor, attending, speakers, participating in one of the, the boot camps or the hackathons, how can folks get involved? Yeah, so we have a Telegram channel, we have a Discord channel, we have probably the best starting point is go to our website, ethereumbrazil.com, Brazil with an S. Maybe if you, if you can put it in the show notes or whatever, um, but Ethereum, Brazil, like all, all one word with an S.com. Yeah. And, and our, the links to our discord, uh, we have telegram and that's a lot more cop. Uh, it's a lot like, I think we have 2000 people on our telegram channel. We, we have a discord as well. And we're trying to build out the discord as because it do with that. Um, but yeah, the, all the, all the links are on the website. Well, Connor, it's, it's been great chatting with you, learning a bit more about Ethereum Brazil. And I mean, I love what you guys are building and it's, it's just really encouraging and appreciate your insights here as well. So it's always nice to connect with a fellow gringo who's <laughs> in the Brazil crypto scene, I suppose, few and far yeah. between, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. There's a few, there's a few of us down here, but um, yeah, no, but thanks. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to speak. I'm not really like a self-promotion person, but I'd like to promote the, you know, uh, what we're doing and just, you know, anyone who's interested, get in the channels, hit us up. Anyone who keeps after us are the people who are going <laughs> to will, will uh, succumb to like, we're all super busy, but if you keep after us and you know, you want to, you know, you want to get involved or whatever, you know, everyone starts at the bottom. Like I've done it myself in lots of jobs and, uh, you know, people are, and, and like even the inspirational story I was telling you about, you know, the woman, uh, Sabrina who hopped on a bus and just went there, you know, just go and do it, go and, you know, <laughs> uh, be proactive. And, uh, that's what, yeah, I love that. I love that story. And hope, hopefully we get a bunch more of those out of uh, your next event here. Yeah, for sure. All right. For sure. Well, thanks so much for coming on to the Brazil crypto report podcast, and we'll be back soon with another great guest. Obrigado, everyone, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.